0: Okay. All right, I'm Chris Avino with totally American good. Outdoor News, and I'm here today with uh, Congressman Tom Tiffany from the uh, 7th District of Wisconsin. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today, Congressman.
1: Yeah, Chris, it's really good to join you at American Outdoors and uh, look forward to the discussion here today.
0: Well, uh, you have always been pretty passionate about the outdoors even when you were assemblyman you served on the uh committee for sports and heritage and now here you are chairing the um, uh, federal land subcommittee so it seems like uh, the outdoors really in your veins
1: you know natural resources and the utilization of natural resources is really at the heart of our prosperity whether producing energy the food that we eat or recreating, it is about utilizing natural resources. And, you know, Chris, for 20 years, my wife and I owned and operated Wilderness Cruises on a beautiful piece of uh, water up in northern Wisconsin called the Willow Flowage, uh, wow. very Canadian-like. And so I just have a great appreciation for the outdoors and how valuable it is to the American people.
0: Now, there's a lot going on with being able to access Public lands and the usage of public lands. Uh, how is that going to impact the average outdoorsman?
1: Well, as the Biden administration is going about their business, like with the 30 by 30 proposal, it really is going to shut off access more from the American people, because I mean, like if you look at properties that are designated as I believe it's the designation is wilderness, that doesn't allow people to be able to come on there even with a bicycle. Mm -hmm. And so it ends up really restricting Americans access. So, you know, all Americans, they cherish our public lands and they know they're so important. What a lot of them don't know is that with proposals like the 30 by 30 proposal, like trying to adopt this conservation rule, it actually doesn't do that. It doesn't protect land for multiple uses. It actually ends up restricting the use uh, for Americans of these public lands. And so we're trying to point that out and that we should always embrace the multiple use concept that has guided our federal land use policy for
0: decades. Well, you know, from what I say, they they keep using the term conservation, which, you know, it um, promotes the health of the ecosystem, healthy waterways and water systems and and the like. But it really seems like they're preventative. So are they kind of relabeling conservation with preservation? And what's the difference, conservation between pre- and preservation?
1: Chris, you hit the nail on the head with that. The uh, They have tried to co-opt the term conservation when they're really preservationists, that they don't want anything to change. They don't want people to be able to utilize these properties. And there's a big difference. And you see some of the national, what I call corporate environmental groups, that's what they do is they want preservation they don't want conservation and mm-hmm. conservation means multiple use and we off, and we get better results by having multiple use all you got to do is look at the western states with the wildfires that have become so common over the last couple decades it is because of a lack of utilization of those natural resources it's a lack of Management, which man will have to manage those lands, because if you just leave them be and see simply stuff like old growth, you're going to end up with catastrophic wildfires, and you're going to end up with an ecosystem that is not nearly as beneficial to the American people.
0: Well, so the preservation is really restrictive, and it's not just restricting. Uh, me as an outdoorsman a hunter or fisherman uh it affects hikers camping enthusiasts really anybody who enjoys being in the outdoors being in the wilderness it's not just about hunting
1: if you now, utilize the great outdoors if you utilize the great outdoors um um there is always going to be an impact. Our the key thing for us to do is to minimize that impact. And most by far most people are really good about that.
0: Now the like the multi-use um issues, it it also would impact the the rancher, uh the farmer, um and not just Hunting and fishing, you know, ranchers, things of that nature would hin- inhibit their usage of it as well, wouldn't it? I
1: no doubt about it. And there's been a variety of ways in which they've done that, including like the waters of the United States rule, where mm-hmm. the federal government wanted to regulate every single drop of water in the United States of America. I grew up on a dairy farm. Some of the best conservationists are those people that own farms and ranches. And why would that be? Because they need to protect their land for it to be productive for the future. So they're oftentimes the best stewards of the land. You know, something I was really interesting when I was back in the state legislature, and you alluded to that, Chris, um, would see so many stories of where were the endangered species? Where were where was the wildlife? it was on farms and ranches because yeah. they grow stuff that those critters eat that's oftentimes the best place to have um uh it, it's the best place that protects and uh, um allows us to have this bounty that is all the um you know all the wildlife and plant life that we have here
0: now, something like this becomes restrictive to ranchers and grazing rights and things of that nature. How does that inhibit our own food chain?
1: Yeah, so if they're not allowed to manage their land or it's restricted in such a way that they can't produce as much, then, I mean, that's less food supply for the American people. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, I, I would go into the management of um, of wolves. You're seeing some farmers that are scaling back on their herds or just giving up farming generally because the uh, of the animals that are taken. But more importantly, the animals that do not have as high a rate of gain that cost them money Mm-hmm. And oftentimes they work on very thin margins, those farmers do, and they can't make a living. So when you don't manage a, um, a wildlife species, like we're not managing wolves here in most of the lower 48, you end up with these really harmful impacts that uh, uh, affect farmers as well as others.
0: Well, I've actually uh, spoken to uh, some ranchers, cattle ranchers um out your way and um the wolves have a dramatic impact on their business in fact they're running 24-hour shifts driving around their fields at night to make sure that uh their their herd is safe that nobody's attacking their herd they lose thousands of dollars every time they lose a cow to the wolves
1: and, and you know chris once again this is federal involvement you know while it may be well intended It really has harmful impacts because you've had judges twice in the last two decades that have, at least in our state of Wisconsin, once we had the wolf delisted, they went and almost immediately relisted the wolf. Mm -hmm. And there was no reason for that. Management should be done by the states. And that's all the proposal that I put forward uh, the last couple sessions. That's all it does is return management to the states where it belongs, just like Montana, Idaho, yep. and parts of Oregon and Washington have. There's no reason the rest of the country shouldn't have the same
0: no, you, you, ability
1: you, you, to manage their wildlife species. A,
0: a judge in California shouldn't be telling you that uh, you can't manage the wolf herds in Montana or Wisconsin because what does he know he's not there he's not dealing with the ranchers firsthand he's not dealing with the people that uh utilize uh the forest there uh so yeah i i think he really needs to educate himself before he makes a decision like that
1: i no doubt about it and i suspect the decision was just simply ideological and it's it's a really unfortunate thing and people oftentimes ask why do these preservationist groups, why do they, why are they so all in on the wolf? And it's because they make a tremendous amount of money off from them. Many of the environmental groups, as I um alluded to earlier, they're really corporate entities and They're always out fundraising, and this is their species that they're able to raise the most money off from. We see it in our office whenever there's a proposal in regards to wolves. People are just hair on fire, and that's because the preservationist groups have sent out their latest um, letter, and it's oftentimes a fundraising letter, and they just raise enormous amounts of money on saying we're going to save the wolf. No, we're going to save the wolf by making sure we manage a species properly. Because I can tell you, the sportsmen that I live amongst in northern Wisconsin, they're like, yeah, the wolf should be on the landscape. But like every other species, it should be managed. And yep. it's not now.
0: Well, the wolf is the poster child for uh, fundraising uh, for, yep. for the antis. But um, as far as the land usage, um, there's something in there about commercial usage which would um, restrict or eliminate uh, the usage for outfitters and and things of that nature that would put a lot of people out of business. And um, what do we do about that? How do we change the wording in some of these laws?
1: Yeah, so we're doing everything we can to protect them. And, um, you know, One of the ways that people have been forced to take action is to go to the courts. And it's unfortunate, but they've had to go to the courts to protect their rights rights to be able to fish and hunt. In the state of Wisconsin, we have a constitutional amendment. You have the right to fish hunt. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, I don't know that every state has that. But uh, we end up going to court in order to protect the ability to do that. You know, another thing that's going on, Chris, is they're trying to restrict the, uh, the use of lead in ammunition, yes. and that's really going to have a harmful impact, and it has downstream impacts. So if you don't allow that lead to be used, you're going to see fewer sportsmen, and as a result, you're going to get less money that goes in for federal programs like Pittman-Robertson. Pittman-Robertson yes. has been one of the most important programs to be able to allow um, greater op. Opportunities for sportsmen. So those people that claim to be for conservation, yet they call for these um, lead ammo bans, they're actually harming conservation in the long run. And it's important for people to know that.
0: So the the lead ban would actually um, restrict uh, waterfowlers, uh, upland game bird hunters, uh, even bullets. Uh, deer hunters bear hunters elk hunters uh, as well as fishermen lead sinkers and the alternative is uh, what are they going to use steel sinkers steel shot which is obviously more expensive Uh, as far as bullets go the only metal that i know of that has the same properties as lead the expansion and and whatnot is gold how are you gonna (laughs) who's gonna be able to buy a gold bullet I mean, it's cost prohibitive.
1: It, it shows you their agenda. Um, they think people should just be able to go, go out and buy gold bullets, It's almost like automobiles where you know they're like, hey, buy an electric car. It costs $20,000 more, but you know what? You can do it for the environment. The problem with that is ultimately it's not benefiting the environment. In fact, it's probably causing greater harm.
0: Well, it also, uh, not only the environment, it, it hurts the economy. The average sportsman's not going to be buying ammo and sinkers and the like. The manufacturers are going to have layoffs because there's nobody buying their product and they can't produce it because they can't buy it. Um, you know, it's, there's a whole uh, ripple effect with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. they are... Um... I mean, they're putting all these restrictions in place in so many different ways, and it really does not serve the interests of the American people. You know, going back to the 30 by 30 proposal, you know, know, like so many bill titles, it it has such a good sound, Chris, to it. Yeah, you know, hey, by 2030, we should protect 30 percent of the American landscape. Well, thirty-nine percent of the land in America, from the um, data that I've seen, is already in public hands. You take, like, in Wisconsin. Besides national forest, we have over two million acres of county forest. We have um, school forests. We have land that's protected and preserved in so many different ways. The stewardship program has set aside hundreds of thousands of acres. So we've already reached 30 by 30 in this country we're at 39 percent. so people should take a look underneath the headlines take a look underneath the title of the bills that always have this uh warm fuzzy uh feel to it and see what it actually does before you pass judgment on it and that's why i appreciate you having me on the show so much chris is to be able to explain some of the stuff that's behind these bills
0: well uh I know you uh, got a tight schedule and I just really have one thing I want to talk about that you had mentioned earlier with the electric cars. Yeah, that all sounds great, but they're destroying the planet, digging up this lithium all over the world. And what do we do with the batteries when they're, when they're done? We can't bury them because that destroys the ecosystem. How? What is their plan to dispose of these batteries without harming our environment? Because they are environmentalists after all.
1: Sure, um, I don't believe they have a plan, whether it's wind turbines or solar panels that have about a 20 year life at the most, they don't know where to bury them. In fact, they're putting many wind turbines that have outlived their usefulness in coal pits out in Wyoming. Mm. And so um, I refer to it as the green fantasy,
0: and
1: and it's going to harm all Americans. Our electric costs are going to continue to go up. All you got to do is look at Western Europe and California. California, I kind of say tongue in cheek they pay twice as much for their electricity and it's on only half the time. And uh, they certainly pay twice as much, so it's only a little bit of hyperbole there. But the the greater concern there is, you brought it up earlier, we have all these wonderful manufacturers of um, stuff that we fish and hunt with. You know, you think about in my district, St. Croix Rods, uh, yeah. over in uh, Rice Lake, you have Henry Firearms, and you have these companies all over America if they can't afford or they can't compete in the global economy, guess what? We're going to lose them. And where do we lose them? To foreign countries. Yep. That's the worst thing that can possibly happen. Happen, And you're seeing China eat our lunch while they're building coal plants, while they're building nuclear plants and having baseload power. Here we are in America with wind and solar. In the upper Great Lakes, they're only on about 20 to 25% of the time. So we trade base load power for intermittent power. That harms Americans in so many different ways. We should take the lessons from Western Europe and California and dispatch of the green fantasy. And let's make sure we're doing what's right for the American people so we have affordable, uh, so we have affordable energy because it is at the heart of our prosperity. And we can produce it. Yeah. right in
0: america well we don't have electricity without fossil fuels <laughs> That's correct yep all right thank you so much for your time and thank you for everything that you're doing for us um i actually watched you uh in in court a couple weeks ago and i said wow congressman tiffany was always such a mild-mannered guy you uh really unleashed your inner tiger you were at them <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for that. You know
1: Yeah. No. Hey, good to join you, Chris. And, uh, boy, you know, it's peak, uh, it's peak hunting season in Northern Wisconsin. People just got done with the bear hunt. Mm -hmm. We're headed into, you know, um, uh, deer bow season is going on. We're going to have our gun deer hunt in November. It is a great time. Your grouse season's going on. So anybody out there that's watching, you want to come and have some of the best, uh, recreation for fishing and hunting, be sure to come to Wisconsin. And I'd highly recommend my district in northern Wisconsin, the seventh congressional.
0: I appreciate it, Tom. Thank you again so much.
1: She joined you, Chris.
0: Okay.